We have to go back! To Cybertron. Hello and welcome to this 32nd episode of Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast. I'm John Wilson and this podcast is a journey through the Transformers comics that are published by Marvel in the UK and the cartoons that came out alongside them in the 1980s. And we are uh, nearing the end of our first segment of season two episodes and since this is a cartoon coverage episode, I have brought along the greatest Star, uh, Star Trek fan. Wow. The greatest Transformers fan ever. Say hello to... Me, Keenan Wilson. Hi, Keenan. How are you? Good. Good. Now, you are turning 11 tomorrow as we're recording this. Yes. And your Uncle Jim is turning 5 tomorrow as this episode is coming out. Okay. So we're, we're going to be talking about the Insecticon Syndrome and Day of the Machines, which were released on October 9th and 10th in 1985. And his birthday was October 10th. So he's turning five. I'm six. I'm in the first grade. He's going to start kindergarten next year because he turned five after the school year started. He didn't get to start kindergarten until the very next year. So even though like we're pretty close in age, we're two years apart in school. Anyways, all that being there, shall we see what happens with the Insecticons today? Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like we're starting out with some hungry Insecticons eating a forest mm-hmm. and a new Autobot. Who? Did you recognize Blue Guy? No. Blue Guy is like, he's just so cool and laid back. That's why he is Beachcomber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. But then um, we see the Insecticons. Yeah, and I was thinking, everyone compares the Dinobots to the Constructicons, but really they should compare them to the Insecticons, even though the Constructicons come first because they're more similar. Okay, so the Dinobots, because they're both animals? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, and they both have, like... Really weird voices. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why the Dinobots always get linked so much to the Constructicons. You're right, the Insecticons are animals. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It shows that they are both the teams that appear first. Mm-hmm. For- mm-hmm. Um, I like the Insecticons because they're bugs. Yeah. And they have the cloning powers. Yeah. And they have that weird echo when they talk. Yeah. So, um, this one dude in the watchtower spots the Insecticons, and, um, there's a little mess up in the subtitles, um, while he's calling, while the dude calls the captain about the Insecticons, um, he says captain, but in the subtitles it says his name, Jake. Maybe, um, maybe that's just another spelling. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So as we're going through this, of course, the Insecticons are ruining a redwood forest yeah. and they're not even being very thorough about it they're just being really uh well by, by thorough i mean they're not eating a lot of each tree yeah they're eating enough of each yeah, tree like in minecraft like they punch one block over the tree and then just go yeah yeah um and i feel like and this is just me spitballing here i've never been a bug before mm-hmm. but i feel like most insect life would actually uh do more thorough damage to a tree no. Before moving on to the next ones. 
No, you don't think so? No, I've never seen, you know, an insect actually, you know, destroy a tree before. Well, some some, some species of ant live in trees and such like that. Um, But in any case, what they haven't done yet, which I'm kind of surprised since this is the 80s, is they haven't turned this into a deforestation message Mm -hmm. where, you know, tearing down all these trees is bad for the environment. Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of message was very common in uh, 1980s kids cartoons. And um, speaking of stuff, uh, speaking of stuff like that, so it, the the Autobots fight the Insecticons, kind of, and I feel like something they would change nowadays is like some of the Autobots would be mid transformation for the majority of the fight, which they really didn't do back. So describe what you meant mid transformation. So you have Hound; he's his Jeep form. Yeah, he would be like his Jeep form. And like mid transformation, so like he he still has the majority of the jeep, but like he still has like his gun, like an arm sticking out with the gun or something. Yeah, interesting. You know what that reminds me of? Yeah, is Robotech, mm-hmm. which is an anime I've been watching on the weekends. Because um, you have these jets that turn into robots, but they have this intermediate form where it's a jet, but the legs are down and the fists are out. So it's like. It's a jet that can walk and run and shoot guns with its hands and stuff. Yeah. So, kind of reminds me of that, like an intermediate form. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's always fascinated me as a kid with the Insecticons is that they're not really part of the Decepticons. Yeah. We saw some of that rivalry last time we had a story about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, they're living in a cave, in a forest. They're not living in a, Cicticon, uh, a Decepticon headquarters. And Megatron has to like, make a deal with them to get them to help the Decepticons do whatever it is they're going to do today. Yeah. So it's, it's just kind of neat that they have like factions. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the Dinobots are kind of the same way, which drawing another parallel with you for the Decepticons, the Insecticons and the Dinobots. Yeah. The Dinobots live on an island right now, don't they? Yeah, but um, I feel like the Insecticons like would have been like like would have have had to have like left. Like the Decepticons would have kicked them out, where the Autobots gave the Dinobots a new home, where uh, they can be more free. But you know, I like that. I like that contrast too, because you have good guys versus bad guys. Yeah, bad guys being mean to each other, not trusting each other. Good guys helping each other out to take care of each other's different needs. Yeah. So not only does Inferno show up in this, but also we get Buzzsaw, Laser Beak, and Buzzsaw both eject. Yay. We almost never see Buzzsaw, and Laserbeak gets taken down really quickly, but Buzzsaw survives. Yeah. So the Insecticons invade the power plant and the reactor. Yeah. And I'm sure this is nothing like an actual reactor, mm-hmm. but it's a big old glowing pear-shaped thing. Yeah. And they start eating it, and actually, I, whether this is intentional or just randomly, mildly appropriate is hard to say, but um, they say it's a little heavy on the neutrons. Mm-hmm. Keenan. Yeah. Radioactive elements mm-hmm. have different numbers of neutrons. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are degrading and giving off energy are the ones that are losing neutrons. So being heavy on the neutrons is actually kind of appropriate. Um, the protons making them grow is complete nonsense. Yeah. But, you know, neutrons, that, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, then they decide they're going to beat up Megatron. Soundweave overhears them. So they take Soundweave and make him a slave with their little bombshell, cerebro shell mind eater thing. Um, That's a technical term. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure. 
But one thing that bothers me is that whenever Spike shows up at the scene of the fight, he's riding in Beachcomber, not in Bumblebee. Are the boys having a lover's quarrel? I, I, I don't... I didn't... Wasn't Bumblebee already, like, on the mission there? I don't know, maybe. I thought he was with Beachcomber. Well, when Spike is not riding in Bumblebee, it makes me anxious about them. <laughs> so, Keenan, when you're driving down the road, have you ever noticed a truck with a big old thing behind it that's actually carrying other cars? Yeah. Like a car carrying a car transport truck? Yeah. So, Optimus Prime is currently sort of doing that as a makeshift. He's got his big old trailer and they yeah. load a couple of injured Autobots into it. Yeah. In the future... There will be an Autobot leader named Ultra Magnus who turns into one of those car carrying trucks. Uh, okay. Uh, they're just not doing it now because, you know, it's not. If he exists, I'm sure he exists. He's on Cybertron, though. Okay. So, what happens if, um, like, a Cybertronian Autobot comes to Earth with, like, no ship? Will, like, they be able to have a new form? I, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Autobots and Decepticons, if they come to Earth from Cybertron, they always get new yeah, forms. But they, but like, whenever at the beginning of the, the show, that's the the ship who did it, not them themselves. So they, they don't have a ship. Oh, how are they going to get. Okay, so, I mean, theoretically, an Autobot could, because he'll have access to the Ark. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, they don't have any way to talk to people on Cybertron. Megatron still does. The Autobots don't. The Autobots don't. The Autobots have not established communications with Cybertron. Mm-hmm. Um, Megatron has communications with Cybertron, but he theoretically does not have a way to convert Cybertronian Decepticons into Earth forms. Yeah. Hmm. In later versions, they solve that by turning into a self-scan thing. Mm-hmm. Like, a Transformer can scan the area around him and pick a disguise mode. Yeah, I know that, but... Like, yeah, at this point, I don't I don't know. That's a really good question. Yeah. I'm, now I have to watch... It probably won't ever get addressed in the cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> but I will definitely be watching for that in the comics. The first time we get Cybertronian um, Transformers back on Earth, what do they do? Yeah. At this point in the comics coverage... Cybertron is absolutely out of touch with Earth. Has been for four million years, so um, we haven't had any Cybertronian Transformers. So you haven't even seen the se- in the comics. You haven't even seen the end of season one. <laughs> kinda, kinda, yeah. And time goes in the cartoon more quickly than it does in the comics. Okay. The comics stay in the eighties after the cartoon jumps to the future. So, like, the powered-up Insecticons reminds me of, like, in the finale of Steven Universe, Pink Steven. Oh. Like, the raw power. Right, because he, uh, yeah. Did that happen before Future? Um, yeah, that happened before Future when they were separated. Spoiler. Gotcha. So, going back to the whole fact that the Insecticons and the Decepticons are separated because maybe they just don't get along with each other. Mm -hmm. Um... Megatron, after they get all of the stuff from the uh, power plant that they need all the information, they decide to turn on the Insecticons. Yeah, but turns out the Insecticons have already turned on them. Right. They they were guarding their flank by um, bombshell putting Cerebro shells in various other Decepticons. The turns have tabled. <laughs> oh, how the table turns. Oh, how the, wait. No, yeah, how the table turns. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, it's it's like a triple cross. Yeah. 
He tries to lob one at Megatron, but Megatron catches it. He says, no one gets into my cranial chamber. Oh, shoot. It's attached to my hand. <laughs> I wonder if he remembers the Autobots getting in there and messing around the other day. Yeah. The, when the, in the Microbots episode? I think he had too much Energon to remember. <laughs> oh, he was drunk. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. <laughs> So, um, after it gets launched and Megatron catches it, he drops on the ground and crushes it, which apparently does something to the dude's brain. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think because, like, the Cerebotron is a part of his brain. Or at least he has a connection to it, right? Yeah. Because that's how he controls people. severing that nerve connection. Would be like somebody stomping on your foot. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So then it wraps up with a large spoonful of nonsense. Yeah. Um, they get this antidote for the Nova power that's inside the Insecticon, so they're no longer grown. They shrink down to regular size. And the explosion, because they're going to explode with the power inside them, that gets averted. Except for shrapnel. Even though Spike jumps up and puts the antidote into his chest plate, he still explodes. Because of the lightning stuff. Because he's already tapped into the power even more. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Somehow, in all of that, it causes Bombshell to lose his control of the Cerebro shells that he's put in the other Decepticons, yeah. and they all just, like, fall out of their heads. Yeah. That's weird. And then Bombshell shoots another Cerebro shell that puts Shrapnel back together yeah. somehow. Yeah. And they all run away. Yeah. And then Megatron's like, after them, Decepticons! So the Decepticons fly away to kill the Insecticons, and that's just going to happen off screen somewhere. Was my impression of Megatron good? It is a fantastic Megatron. Peter Walker will be very proud of you. (laughs) Um, And then we end on a really bad pun from Spike. Yeah. That the Insecticons are going to... You have to say it. I forget what it was. uh, Megatron's going to get bugged by the Insecticons or something like that. Yeah. 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 most of that was pretty fun. Didn't have a whole lot going on to comment on. Yeah. But it was a, it was a fun little show, except the ending was just kind of like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> they can't have anyone die. That's it. Right. Obviously, they can't have anyone die. So blowing up shrapnel, they had to come up with some way to put them back together. But just a little bomb that like turns into pink pellets of energy that somehow glows him all back together. It's just weird. Not and glo- not glues him back together, but glows him back together. Exactly, that's exactly right because it makes them all glow. Anyways, so let's see after the break what is going on with Day of the Machines. The Transformers will return after these messages. This episode, I'd like to take a moment to talk about the two-part story, Synthoid Conspiracy, from G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Now, whenever I see a two-part episode, I'm always looking for something that's a little bit bigger, that has a bit more of like an emotional investment, a bit more of an effect on the storyline, something like that. And in the next episode, where we talk about the uh, Transformers story, Megatron's Master Plan, that's the kind of thing that I think that episode does. And Synthoid Conspiracy pulls that off pretty well. The stakes are pretty high. The, um, the emotional investment is pretty great. There is basically... Um, Destro has come up with this uh, way, these materials that they can use to make, um, fake human beings called synthoids. Totally believable, uh, completely realistic looking, uh, you know, what do they call that? The Turing test, you know, uh, believable behavior. Um, and he does this to replace several key military figures 
on a day whenever several key military figures are gathered together in one place to watch a G.I. Joe uh, war game. So um, Cobras attack, they uh, capture the generals, they put the Synthoids in their place, and um, basically the Synthoids go about discrediting and eventually disbanding G.I. Joe as an operation. Um, they also, uh, Zartan also manages to get Duke. And so by the end of the episode, there is a fake Duke on the G.I. Joe team as well. The cliffhanger of the two-parter is where Duke shows up and uh, Mutt and Junkyard are there. And Junkyard starts barking ferociously at Duke. And Duke does not like it. Duke does not like Junkyard there. Um, and uh, Junkyard also attacks one of the generals. So Junkyard is ordered destroyed by the general and Mutt and Junkyard run for it. And at the very uh, end of the cliffhanger, um, Rock and Roll is going after them on a four-wheeler. looks like he's been turned to a synthoid as well. When you come back from the... Um, from the episode break, come back to watch the next part the, se- the next day. Turns out Rock and Roll was actually uh, chasing him down to help them get away. So instead of using his gun on Mutton Junkyard, he uses it on the uh, fence to blast a hole in it so they can get away. Uh, over the course of the second episode, the fake Duke is the worst synthoid ever. Every single other synthoid has a pretty good job of fitting in and blending in and acting like themselves. But Duke calls people the wrong names, is really hesitant about decisions, and basically draws every single possible attention to himself. Um, none of the Joes explicitly twig to the fact that he's fake, but uh, Scarlet... She, if, if you're paying attention, you can tell she's becoming suspicious. She's just very good at keeping it quiet. Uh, so by the end of the episode, um, she actually sets up Duke to, uh, um, let her die and go off and uh, reveal himself as a spy. She, of course, fakes her death and goes after him and is able to stop him. Um, throughout all this, uh, there is one moment where Destro actually realizes that all of this is working against him because Cobra Commander never really trusts Destro and Destro knows that. His relationship with Cobra Commander is very tense and it's always a struggle for power and a struggle for Destro to keep his place there and keep his value to Cobra. So whenever Cobra Commander brings in a synthoid Destro, Destro realizes that Cobra Commander could actually try to replace him. So he does actually help the Joes in the second half with taking down the Synthoids. Uh, there is a, there is a handheld device that lets you turn a Synthoid back into goo. Um, but there are, there, there's this lever and on minimum setting, it just hits any Synthoid that's nearby. On maximum setting, it destroys all Synthoids that have been made. And so of course, Cobra Commander at the end of the story goes to destroy the Duke Synthoid because he thinks it's, uh, he doesn't know if it's the real Duke or not. And he has it on the wrong setting. So that blows up all the Synthoids. Um, but things have pretty much been wrapped up by then. Like I said, overall, it's a pretty solid story. The, um, the, the, the story machinations really flowed well. I was invested the entire time. Um, I, I was kind of laughing because my son and I recently watched the episode of original Star Trek called, uh, what are little girls made of, which is the one where, uh, they have the Android Kirk and, (laughs) 
Whenever Dr. Roger Corby shows you how to make an android, he has naked Kirk on one half of a circular table and a green Play-Doh blob of a human shape on the other half of the circular table, spins the table like its Wheel of Fortune, and the green blob turns into Kirk. I feel like this gray goo turning into a perfect synthoid is not too far off from that. But overall, really solid episode. If you want your feedback to this show read during this segment, please send your emails to tfukpodcast at gmail.com. We now return to the Transformers. And we are back. Now we're going to talk about our second episode of the day, which is Day of the Machines. And this one was aired on October 10th, 1985. So like I said at the top of the episode, Keenan, this was your Uncle Jim's fifth birthday. Cool. Are you? Did you already have your fifth birthday? Yeah. 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 You've had your eleventh birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So continuing in our theme of changing sizes, Soundwave is on a desk, and of course, Quantum Laboratories, which is the secret home of all of America's super secret secret science secrets, yeah. and totally could have called it Area Fifty One. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, we saw Spike holding him as like almost Walkman-sized, you know, a, a large tape cassette in his hand. And this guard comes in and picks him up like he's a stack of textbooks, like he's this big old thing to carry in his arms. Yeah, and um, Soundwave, once he has been transported to the Lost and Found, he sends out Laserbeak, who is really small because he came out of, like, the cassette tape thing or mm-hmm. something and but like he transforms and like Laserbeak is so small and and and, and shockwave gets a uh, shockwave soundwave gets really big too like he's a little cassette deck mm-hmm. and transforms and, like grows right there in front yeah. of us so yeah size changing galore we love it i also love that megatron as a gun is in a guitar case because yeah. like in the 30s, or at least in stories about the 30s, we had like mm-hmm. gang wars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Having your machine gun in a violin case or in a guitar case was like a thing people do or did at the time. What is the largest string instrument? Uh, well, they get really big. I mean, a uh, uh, bass, a uh, string uh-huh. bass is as tall as an adult. Okay. But, um, but yeah, uh, you can have guitars. Violins are smaller than guitars. Violas and basses are much larger than guitars. Okay. Hey, Keenan. Yeah? You know what I like to put on my most powerful computers? Mm-hmm. A giant face. <laughs> What's that one character from Marvel? Arnim Zola? <laughs> yeah, he's just a giant face. You know, like on his chest is a yeah. face, he walks yeah. around? Yeah. 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 We've been watching Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which is the best animated Marvel incarnation ever. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, Arnim Zola's in that. That is, in fact, a fact. That is, in fact, a fact. I will I will grant credence to Spectacular Spider-Man as being the best Spider-Man incarnation ever, although the current Spider-Man cartoon is also really good. Yeah. But overall, Marvel, Avengers, are Mightiest Heroes. So we've got this computer, Twerk 3, and Megatron programs it with his evil, because yeah. of course he does. Yeah. And they have this lineup of all these really crazy-looking um, robotic machines. Mm-hmm. And... I really want them to be Transformers that, like, combine into some other Transformer. Yeah. Like the Constructicons. Yeah. But we're, we're much too early for our next line of, of combiners. Yeah. I mean, maybe, like, in the far, far future, they dis- discover these old relics. <laughs> <laughs> and Wheeljack's like, hmm, I can really soup these things up. Yeah. They're only a little bit uh, younger than you Dinobots. 
So part of the crux of this story is that there's a debate over just how much control machines should have. Yeah. Which was a big cultural fear in the 1980s. As computers were becoming a thing people knew about but didn't understand, they're like, oh my gosh, what if computers controlled everything? Yeah. And um, still very good sci-fi stuff. Yep. We can do even more now with it because A, computers are more advanced, and B, we understand what they can and can't do better so they make more believable stories. Yeah. Um. He says that Torque 3 is the first robot that can build other robots. Okay, false. All of your automated uh, car building lines are robots that make other robots. Um, and also um, Master Sentinel Erasure. That's exactly where I was going. You read my mind. The Master Mold Sentinel, a.k.a. the giant sentinel who sits and poops out other sentinels. Yes, he's the first. <laughs> So have we talked to you about, about uh, Rumble and Frenzy before, Keenan? We have talked about Frenzy. One of them. One of them. Rumble's the blue one. Yeah. He's the one with the pile driver arms. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. We've seen him a lot. Yeah. Frenzy we almost never see. He's the black and red one. Yeah. Um, also more commonly known as the red visored stepchild. The red visored stepchild. That never shows up. <laughs> I love it. Well, here's the crazy thing about Rumble and Frenzy. I've talked yeah. about this on the show before, but I don't think I've told you before. Um... They're colored wrong in the cartoon. Nice. Their toys, Rumble is black and red. Frenzy is blue and gray, or blue and purple, whatever the colors are. Cool. Um, and they're that way with the toys. They're that way in the comics. They're that way in every other form of original Transformers storytelling, except the one that most people saw, yeah. which is, of course, the cartoon. And, you know... They couldn't just, you know, change the colors like they do with, you know, every single scene. <laughs> where they miscolor things? Yeah. <laughs> every single scene where the one character is miscolored. Mm-hmm. Now, I personally, I like the black and red scheme a lot more. Yeah. I like the gold glinting on the chest. But the blue color scheme is what we mostly see in the show. Yeah. So the main computer doctor in the story is mm-hmm. a Dr. Gates. Mm-hmm. Paul Gates. And I think it's a pure coincidence because of the timing. But very soon after this cartoon was made, a man who would later become one of the biggest names in computers made his first really big uh, popular product. That is Bill Gates. That's what I was thinking about. Yep. He uh, he launched his first version of Microsoft Windows in 1985. Now, he had a career before that, but I think this is where he actually started to become really, really prominent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's just coincidence, but it's a funny coincidence. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole thing where um, the Autobots who finally show up in the cartoon find mm-hmm. out that the Decepticons are up to stuff and they go to a military base mm-hmm. to figure out what's going on and they start getting attacked by tanks. Yeah. And um, they look inside the tanks. There are no humans, but um, they only look inside one, which could possibly mean there's that one human driving that one robot who doesn't have control, who they just in- in- kill. Yeah, you're right. Any number, actually, of those tanks could have people in them, and they just don't know it. Yeah. That's a pretty big assumption to make based on one piece of evidence. Yeah. That there are no humans in any of them. Wow. Well, you know what? It's headcanon. The Autobots just killed a bunch of people. Yeah. Also, um, the Autobots are somehow being defeated by simple Earth robots. Yeah, these Earth tanks and, and other vehicles. They're just, I mean, they have laser beams, so maybe they've been equipped with Decepticon stuff. No. No, it just seems like they should not be taking out Autobots so easily. Mm-hmm. Also, um, 
Keenan and I have been watching a lot of classic Doctor Who over the last year or so. And one of the uh, uh, episodes in like the third season is called The War Machines. And the War Machines are supposed to be like this, you know, sort of tall one person sized tank. And some of these tanks look like they could be the same shape as the War Machines. Yeah. They're roughly the same build. Yeah. Keenan also says that I definitely should not do a Doctor Who podcast. Yeah, you shouldn't. <laughs> you know, you and I were talking just last episode about how the Insecticons, the Dinobots, are a better matchup than the Constructicons, the Dinobots. Yeah. I know. the way around. Right. We had Insecticons in the last episode. Yeah. And now we have Dinobots in this episode. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny that Decepticons call the Insecticons in to do something to help them with whatever. And now the Autobots are calling the Dinobots in. And they're just like these rogue teams that help out whatever. Yeah. It's pretty fun. So one of my favorite Autobots shows up again in this episode. Also known as the master of changing sizes in each frame. <laughs> so Skyfire is the giant jet. Yeah. And uh, he is bringing Hound and Spike to the place where all the uh, ships are being gathered by the Decepticons. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the major elements of this is that the Decepticons are using remote control chips. I think they call them remote control circuit linkers. To remotely control yes, all the Optimus ships. Optimus Prime knew that term and what it was, but Wheeljack didn't say anything. Right? And Sparkplug points it out, but again, he's just a dude. Wheeljack is the Transformer who knows circuitry. But anyways. Also, it's really difficult to look at a piece of circuitry and know what it's doing. Because stuff is like microscopic and you, it, you know, it's just hard to tell. Um... He has, his eyes are, like, able to detect what it is. Yeah, I guess. Um, Skyfire, whenever he flies down to the deck to drop off Hound and Sparkplug, I'm sorry, Spike, he does a very Robotech move. Mm -hmm. Now, Skyfire is the one Generation 1 Transformer that was taken from the Robotech line instead of from the other, you know, Diaclone lines that the um, other Transformers were taken from. Mm -hmm. So... One of the things about Robotech ships, and we talked about this before, is they can put their legs out and their arms out, and they're sort of like jet-powered robots, because they still have the jets and the wings and the flying ability, but they can also beat up and walk around. Yeah. And he does that. He, he puts his legs down and comes in for a landing before um, opening a bay door and releasing them Hound and Spike. And that's what was interesting, because like avoiding associations of Skyfire and Robotech mm-hmm. was one of the reasons that they changed his look and his name in the cartoon. But oh well. We see one of the Constructicons in this one, Hook, but sadly Hook couldn't make it that day, so they got his stunt double, mm-hmm. one of the yellow knockoff toys of Hook. From or, the- you know, he had a bad paint job. Oh. Is it one of those things where you go to get a haircut and you accidentally cut way too short? Yeah. So you end up having to cut your entire head way too short? No, that's not the solution. <laughs> yeah, like, if you're going to cut your hair and, like, you get one part of it super-duper short accidentally, mm-hmm. I mean, you can either have a short patch in the middle of your hair... Or everything gets short. One time, I got it actually so short that I actually cut right at the neck. Mm-hmm. So I had to cut off the entire head. It was bad. Blood got everywhere. Keenan, there's something that mystifies me. Mm-hmm. While Hound and Skyfire and Spike are all trapped, Hound makes a comment about that they're just like helio hamsters at the Cybertron Zoo. Mm-hmm. A, what's a helio hamster? Helio means sun. So mm-hmm. are these like glowing sun hamsters? Mm-hmm. Also... They have zoos on Cybertron means they have animals on Cybertron? This is crazy. I don't know. This is weird. I've never seen animals on Cybertron. Uh, Wait a second. Of course I have. Laser Beacon Ravage. They're animals. Animals. Do you think they... Did Megatron rescue them from a zoo? 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I want more information about the wildlife of Cybertron. There is none. You would think, right? So why do they have zoos? I don't know. Anime logic. <laughs> That's the answer to everything. Mm. So there's just not a whole lot to comment on in this episode, Keenan. Yeah. Like, as we're going through it, I mean, stuff's happening and they resolve the story and everything, but... There's nothing to talk about. And the Dinobots were only there for like five seconds. Yeah. It's a little bit disappointing. The episode didn't have really much the way of logic fails. It just, I don't know, didn't spark a whole lot of ideas. Does that mean it wasn't a very good episode? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? Yeah. I mean, it's an okay episode. It's okay. There are definitely worse ones out there somewhere. I am not a fan of giant monster faces being on, like, you know, the avatars of computers. Um, Computers have never had talking faces on them in real life, only in stories. I mean, yeah, there has been. There have been? Yeah. In real life, computers with talking faces on them? I mean, definitely screens with talking faces on them. I guess in, like, apps and stuff you could have, yeah, maybe. But seems a little bit weird. But in any case, that was Day of the Machines. It's over now. Our next episode is going to be our last cartoon episode for this little run of episodes. And after that, we're going to take a very short comic break. But next episode, we have a two-parter, Megatron's Master Plan. So that's going to be a big deal. Hopefully, it'll be a story worthy of the two parts. Ooh-woo. Ooh-woo. ooh You know, Keenan, sometimes the Decepticons need the Insecticons, and sometimes the Autobots need the Dinobots, and sometimes we all need computers with giant faces on them. But I think we're all all the Transformers are going to have to come together and work together if they ever hope to return to Cybertron. You have been listening to Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast. The show can be found on Twitter at TFUK Podcast. I can be followed at John Reads Comics. Old episodes can be found at TFUKPodcast.com or on all good podcatchers. My other shows include Make Ours Marvel and All the Pouches, an Image Comics podcast. Thanks for listening and join me again next time as we try once again to return to Cybertron.